welcome to another inspirational message from Brave Church UK. Uh, you got your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1. We've been in a series uh, looking at the names of God. Last week we looked at Jehovah Jireh. Over the past few weeks we've looked at all kinds of different names. You can pick up a podcast and we're discovering this. We're discovering that God in Scripture is given different names but all the different names that God has given represent something of his nature. So they're not just titles, that clever titles that we're learning that we can go away and feel good about ourselves. But actually we're discovering something about the nature of God as we look at those ga- uh, games, names. And uh, so we're having fun doing that. This morning we're looking at the name uh, of God, which is, which is this Elohim. Elohim. You can find the notes uh, along for this morning's sermon on your version app if you'd like to do that. And uh, Elohim, the word Elohim, the name Elohim, the first use of Elohim is found in the book of Genesis in the creation story. And so we're going to look just, just for a few moments this morning at, at the name Elohim found in the creation story. And here's what we're going to discover. We're going to discover that God is a creative God. Do you know that about God? He's a creative God. Uh, I don't know whether you consider yourself creative. Um, I, I don't consider myself a creative in in kind of the musical artistic sense, but I have tried over the years to be creative. I remember once I wrote a song and I sung it to my friends and they laughed. And I decided I was never gonna write a song again. They couldn't appreciate the level of artistry wrapped up in this. I remember once um, I tried writing a poem. And this is a, I don't want anyone laughing, this is a sad situation. My dog died. My dog died. It's not funny. My dog died. That's an emotional thing. And I decided I was going to write a poem about my dead dog. And I wrote this beautiful artistic poem about the love and the the deep relationship I had with my dead dog. And I decided I wasn't going to keep this creative genius to myself. I was going to share it with my family. And I remember speaking to one of my sisters on the phone and reading this poem a heartfelt poem, poured my heart and soul and creativity and emotions into this poem. And she proceeded to laugh the whole way through the poem. And I hung up the phone. And I said, that's the last time I write a poem. And the last time. Funnily enough, my, my wife's very creative. My kids are really creative. Uh, Phoebe, my, my youngest child, uh, is, is like a creative genius. She loves creating drawings and paintings and pictures and She's, she's theatrical as well. Literally, our lives, when Phoebe's around, are like a musical. And uh, you think I'm joking. This morning, we, we sat in bed. We'd just woken up, me and Phoebe. We were led there, and uh, she, she jumped into our bed this morning, and we just created a song this morning about cupcakes. And uh, we, we were creating cupcakes together, imaginative play, but we were narrating the whole activity through song through song. I'm not going to, I'm going to spare you from that this morning. I'm not going to do that. Seth is, is also creative. He's a musician. Literally every song that he listens to, his body starts moving, his foot starts tapping. Like he is creative. And when you look at um, the world that we live in and you think about the amazing creations that we've seen over the years, you think about the printing press, the light bulb, the aeroplane, your, your computer. What about this? The ARPANET. You know what that is? That's the first name the internet was given. The ARPANET. Think about how that changed our lives forever. Vaccines. Anyone thank you, thankful for vaccines? Creation of vaccines. Automobiles, clocks, telephones, refrigerators, and cameras. 
amazing to think about the, the, the just phenomenal creation that man has made. But Genesis chapter 1 tells us of the pinnacle of God, uh, of creation, of what creativity is. And that is found in God himself. That God himself is a creator. And it says this, starting in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And let's read three verses together. It says this, it says, In the beginning, God, the name of God there is Elohim. It's the first name that is given to us in the scriptures of the God that we serve. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Don't you love this picture? Like in the beginning, nothing. And God began to move. The Spirit of God was there. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. I think it's pretty dramatic when you read the, the opening few verses of the book of Genesis that from nothing God created something, that God is at work. And I'll just make a couple of points about the name Elohim before we move into to discovering the nature of who God is. The first thing we understand about God from the name Elohim, the name Elohim means mighty one or supreme one. So it's an image of power. But interestingly enough, in the name Elohim. Elohim is, is used as a singular name in the Hebrew, but it implies plurality. Think about that. That we believe that God is one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is one, but three distinct persons. Even in the first name that is given to God, the name, we see that he is one, but plural. And in fact, in the first three verses that we just read, you might have missed this, you saw Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, every one of them present. In the beginning, God, Elohim, the Supreme One above all, created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God hovered over creation. And then God said, the Word of God is who? The Word of God is Jesus Himself. Three persons, one God, at work in the story of creation. And this great quote by Rabbi Simeon ben Joshi. That's a great name, isn't it? You thought you had a good name. That's even better. He says this about the name Elohim and the fact that God says, let us, us create man in our own image. He doesn't say let me. He says let us, plurality. He says, come and see the mystery of the word Elohim. There are three degrees and each degree by itself alone and yet notwithstanding they are all one and joined together in one, and are not divided from each other. Commentator Clark adds this. He says that he must be strangely prejudiced indeed who cannot see that the doctrine of the Trinity and of a Trinity in unity is expressed in the above words. In the very title and name of the Supreme One, you see the multiplicity of God. God is one God in three distinct persons. Also, the, the thing that we understand uh, just about the, the reference and the name Elohim from the, the first reference we see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, is we understand that God is transcendent. We understand that he is one in three persons, but also we understand he's transcendent. Transcendent means this, he is eternal. He was before and he is after. That there was, some, sometimes we have to ask the question, well, who, who, who created God and who was before God? God always was, is, and always will be. Interestingly enough, this is a fun fact for those of you who love 
biblical language and studying scripture, when you see, the, the, obviously the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And Hebrew is a, a picture language. It's a pictorial language. Every letter means something. And when the original transcripts were made, in the beginning, God, Elohim, there were two letters that followed Elohim that aren't in our English translation. The two letters were Aleph, which is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the other letter was Tav, which is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So in the beginning, God, Aleph, Tav, created the heavens and the earth, created all things. In the beginning, God, two letters. They removed the two letters because they didn't think it made up a word. But actually, it symbolizes something of the nature of God. It's the first letter of the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet, and the last. He is Alpha. He is Omega. He is beginning. He is end. Before God, there was not. After God, there is not. He is eternal. He is transcendent. He is above all things. And right now, I don't know whether that, that helps you. If you're right in the middle of something and you're going through some stuff and you can't see a way through, to know that in the middle, God is the first and he is the last. He's gone before you and he was before you. And so you can trust in the nature and in the name of God, knowing that he is, he is, always has been, always will be. Elohim. He is three persons in one. He is eternal. He is transcendent. When you read some, some questions surface in your mind, when you read the creation story, you, you think of yourself, you think to yourself as you read the story, uh, the, the, is this a literal seven-day creation narrative, a creation story? Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven. Does it happen in, in a 24-hour day like, like we think? Did God create... Um, the world from, from nothing and give it no age or did God create the earth with age? They're great questions, aren't they? Great questions. Some of you are like, no, don't care less, couldn't care less. They are great questions. Some people believe in a gap theory that there's literally a gap between verse one and verse two, that God creates the world and then verse two into the nothingness he speaks, that there might be a time gap. Some people believe that, that God can create, has the ability to create things with age, just like he does with Adam. He doesn't create a fetus, he creates a man. God has the ability to do that. Regardless what you believe or what you think about the timeline, here's what the, the central underlining truth of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 is, God is creator. However he did it, He's the one who took nothing and he formed everything. Revelation chapter one, verse eight says this, I am the alpha, the omega, the Lord says, God who was, God who is and who was and who is to come, the almighty. And God shows us so much about himself in the creation story. Psalm 19, verse one to four says this, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day, it utters speech. And night unto night, it reveals knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through the earth, all the earth, and their words to the end of the earth. That God's creation, the beauty, the vastness of his creation speaks of his majesty and his ability. True? 
when you look around and when you look at a, sun, a beautiful sunset or a beautiful scene, that you can see the glory and the goodness of God in that very thing. That's what the psalm tells us. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says this, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood the things that are made, even his eternal power, the Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The beauty of God's creation, but the pinnacle of God's creation is you and me. It's mankind. But if you want to know what God's like, look in the mirror. You look in the mirror this morning. Some of you I can tell did, some of you I can tell didn't. If you want to know, God, the, the, the creation story tells us that in God's image, mankind is created. In his image. So if you want to know what God's like, you're thinking, well, I, my, my husband, my wife, my friends, my neighbors don't seem that godly. But there's something about humanity. Think about this. You are triune. You are body, soul, and spirit. You are one person, three parts. Three parts, not four parts, three parts. You are one person, three parts. You are made in the very image of God. That doesn't mean you are God. That's idolatry to think that. But you are like God. And there are three things that I think the, the creation story shows us about the God's nature. And in doing so, in discovering God's nature, we also discover this about ourselves as well. So this is what God's like, but this is what we are like as well. Number one, God is a God of intention. He's a God of intention. The creation story teaches us that God, there's, there's an intelligent design, there's purpose behind the creation story. And, and also you and me were created with purpose, for purpose, with intention, to be people of intention. That we're not just to, to meander through life and do our best. But God's created, he's wrapped up purpose for us. And in fact, if, if you were to look at your life, if you looked at culture, if you look at society, everyone's looking for a cause. Everyone is. I mean, some of the crazy causes you think people give their lives for. Everyone's looking for purpose. The Bible shows us what purpose really is and what design really is. In fact, in his book, Hugh Ross in his book, The Fingerprint of God, this is how intrinsically, uh, the intrinsic the design of creation was. He, he says this. He says, the universe has just the right gravitational force. If it were larger, the stars would be too hot and would burn up too quickly and too unevenly to support life. If it were smaller, the stars would remain so cool that nuclear, nuclear fusion would never ignite and there would be no heat and light. The universe has just the right speed of light. If it were larger, stars would send out too much light. If it were smaller, stars would not send out enough light. The universe has just the right average distance between the stars. If it were larger, the heavy element density would be too thin for rocky planets to form and there would only be gaseous planets. If it were smaller, Planetary orbits would become destabilized because of the gravitational pull from other stars. And the universe has just the right polarity of the water molecule. If it were greater, the heat fusion 
and vaporization would be too great for life to exist. And if it was smaller, the heat fusion and vaporization would be too small for life's existence. Liquid water would become too inferior, a solvent for life chemistry to proceed. Ice would not float, leading to a runway of freeze-up. And if your brain's hurting, good. Because it shows to us the intrinsic detail that God, the lens that God goes to, to make sure the conditions for life were perfect. Perfect. If you believe that the universe and life itself was created by a random act and a collection of, of details all at the same time, you have more faith than me. Because the chance and the probability of that is just outstanding. That life, the perfect environment, the perfect conditions were created for life to exist. And when he put you and me together, the same level of intrinsic detail went into forming you and me. That he knows the, the amount of hairs that are on your head. He knows your end from your beginning. He knows your thoughts and your inside. He knows the depths of your heart and the recesses of your soul. He knows it all. And he has purpose and meaning and reason to your life. And so if you're thinking, man, there's no reason for me to live anymore. I don't feel like I contribute anything to the world. Scripture would argue with you in this moment and say you were created for purpose. To, to glorify the majestic creator who is so detailed and purposeful in his creation that he dreamed of you before you were even conceived. Let that settle in just for a moment. He dreamed, he dreamed of you. In your mother's womb, he knew you. He formed you. This same God, creator of the beginning of our time, who is outside of time, in a moment of time, decided that he was going to impart and form and create you with some help from your parents as well. How crazy is that? That's the God that we sing about this morning. So when we're singing how great is our God, we're not just singing how great is our God because in a moment he touched us and he made us feel alive and he made us feel good and he made us feel bubbly and he made, made us feel fluffy. That's good. We want encounter. We want moments with God. But we're also singing how great is our God because before anything, he was. And he has intention. He has reason. And he's created you and me for intention and meaning and reason. That he wants to give you a purpose, his cause, the mission of God in this world. The second thing that it shows is about who God is and in turn who we are is that he's a God of innovation. He's a God of innovation. That our God is creative by nature. In the beginning, God Elohim, the all-powerful one, the supreme one, shows us to, chooses to show his supremacy in the creation of something out of nothing. Think about this. If, if this Genesis account is true, that God took nothing and made something. There was no pre-existing material that God used but by his word, things were formed. That shows supremacy, true? That shows might. 
that God would speak and he would create. You and me, in part, have that ability. That man's great, of course, at using pre-existing materials and making things. But also, God's put within you an imagination. The ability to dream. Do you know what the ability to dream is? The ability to dream is the ability to create. Now, I know what you're thinking. When we talk about innovation and creativity... All the musical, artistic people go, yay. And all the practically minded people who, who can leave or take that kind of stuff in some ways go, mm, I'm not that creative. You are. That most of you in here imagined your family before that became a reality. Some of you in here who have careers, who chose a career path, imagined you where you are before the reality came to be. You are creative. You have the ability to dream something and then action it into reality. That's something that you get from your father, God himself. That's a gift that's been given to you. Scripture says this, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Dream, dreaming is the ability to see something that is not and then action that into a, a living, breathing thing. If you have a, a vision, a dream that one day you're going to buy a house, how many people know that that takes restraint? Because you're going to have to save now in order to buy then. True? Any people, you've got a vision to, to meet a, a life partner and settle down with them and, and for you to, to have a family of your own. That's a great dream. That's a great vision. But you better know, you better take care of yourself. You better shower in the morning if you want that to become a reality. You and me have the creative ability to th see things that are not and make them as though they were. Just like God does. Maybe there's a situation in your life right now and you're looking at it and you're thinking there's no way forward. This thing can't turn around. There's no pre-existing material. Well, the God that we serve needs nothing to create something. So maybe, just maybe, as God stripped you back, as God's removed all the things you would lean on, God's getting ready to speak and create something powerful in your life. Are you ready? Are you ready for Elohim, the mighty one, the supreme one, to speak in and start creating stuff in and through you? Here's the crazy thing. When you give your life to God, we're nothing to God. Like in, in the view of God, I know, I know God loves us, God cares for us. I mean, if you were to compare us, if you were to put up us, us up against God, we're like nothing compared to God. But you know, when God looks at your life, he doesn't see nothing. He sees something that he can use. He sees someone that he can form some stuff in and someone who he can be, begin to lead. And God creates this amazing world that we have. He's a God of innovation. And he does it in seven days. And I think the seven days represent something to us. And we're going to just speed through these this morning. Is that all right? Yeah? 
We're going to speed through these, the seven days of creation. In fact, what you find in the, in the seven days of creation, that God creates things in pairs. Okay, he creates thing, things in pairs. If, you, if you're not taking notes, then you can write these down and, uh, and, and come back to these later on uh, because we're going to just move through these quickly. Number one, day one, he creates light and darkness. Here's the crazy thing about the seven-day creation. I, it, uh, it informs us about the creation of the world, but also I think this is the mirror image of what God does in us in recreating us when we come to him. Here's what day one he does. He, he creates light and darkness. Let there be light. Two things. I think when we come to God, you know what we do? We move from darkness to light. That's the story of the New Testament. That you were once in darkness, but now you are being exposed and living in the light. John 1, 2 and 3. You are children of the light. Act like it. Basically what John 1, 2 and 3 says. That God takes you out of darkness, he puts you into light. Number two, here's what he does. Here's the two components, sky and sea. They're the two things he, he forms on, on day two, sky and sea. And here's what he does, separates them. Day one is light, day two is separation. When you come to God, here's what God does. He separates you from your sin. He separates you from your past. And in some ways, there's some relationships he wants to separate you from. And there's some context he wants to separate you from because he knows he's creating an atmosphere and a culture for life to thrive. And not only does he take you from darkness to light, but also he separates some stuff in you so that there's complete division and so that you can move forward. Day number three, are you ready? Are you getting this? Day number three, like, uh, no. Listen again in the podcast later on. Maybe, that, maybe after you've eaten some dinner, you'll be in a better spirits. I don't know. But day number three, Land and vegetation. Land and vegetation. Here's what he does. He puts the seed within the plants so that they can reproduce. In order, what, what, he's, what he's doing is he's creating the environment and the place for growth to take place. God not only takes you from darkness to light, not only separates you from your sin, but also he wants you to grow in him now. So maybe you've, you've put your hand up in a service, you've made a decision, awesome. You've gone from darkness to light. Maybe you've decided, actually there's some aspects of my life that I'm gonna have to change and my heart is gonna have to be realigned and I'm gonna have to move away from some of the environments that I used to be in and some of the stuff I used to give myself to because this is not compatible with the journey God's got me on. But now God doesn't wanna just separate you and leave you alone. He wants you to grow and to thrive and to expand and that's what he wants. One of our core values as a church is growth. Because we believe God's plan for your life is that you would grow. There's always something to learn, always something to discover, always something to move into. Day number four, he creates the sun and the moon. The sun and the moon, which I've categorized that as wisdom. He creates order out of chaos. He gives seasons to the world. Wisdom. God wants to take you from darkness to light. He wants to separate you from your sin. He wants you to grow, but he also wants to give you wisdom so you can make right choices yourself. He wants to give you wisdom so that you know what to do with the knowledge that you have. I hope that when you gather around with us as a church, I hope you learn something as we open up the scriptures together. I hope when you're in a connect group, you learn something. I hope when you come to a leadership academy, you learn something. But ultimately, if all you're getting is knowledge, that's not enough. You need wisdom. God, help me to apply what I know. There's not a lack of knowledge in our world, but there is a lack of wisdom.
We have more knowledge than we've ever had. But what we need is more wisdom. Day number five, creatures of the sky, creatures of the sea. In other words, he starts to fill that which is created. God wants your life to be an abundant life, a full life. I've come to give you life and life in all its abundance is God's promise for your life. He wants to fill it. He wants to overflow. Here's what I've, I've realized about a lot of people who've, who've decided they're going to follow Jesus is that they're so thankful and we should be for God bringing us out of darkness and taking us into light and we're so thankful that now we're able to discern the difference between sin and what God would want for our lives. And we're so thankful that he's growing and expanding us. And we're so thankful that he's now he's given us the ability to wisdom that we stop asking for more. There's no limit on what God wants to fill your life with other than the limit that you put on it. So God, give me more so I can bless more, so I can do more, so I can influence more. God, let your spirit fall and let there be an abundance over my life. Not just enough to get by. God's the God of abundance. Abundance in your life. Day six is creatures of the land and mankind. On day six, he creates humanity. And he gives us the ability to reproduce. Everyone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you young people, you shouldn't be saying hallelujah. You should know what that is. And a little bit of homework for your parents. When you go home around the dinner table today, ask your parents what Sam was on about, about day number six. He gives us the ability to reproduce. God, in terms of your journey with God, God doesn't want to touch your life. He wants to recreate himself in you so that you now can recreate the life you've experienced through Christ in others. What does that mean? It means you are a full-time missionary. That's what you are. You're a full-time missionary. And if you've never, let me encourage you, if you've never experienced the beauty of leading someone else to Jesus, come on, let this be the year. Where that becomes your prayer. Well, it's not my gift. It is. If you are a Christ follower, you've been given the Holy Spirit and you have the ability to now communicate the gospel through your life and through your lips. He wants to recreate. And day seven, God rests. It's not as if God was tired. God hadn't expanded so much energy that he needed to sit down. God was showing you and me a picture of how life should work. That with the beauty of all he's doing in your life through all these, these seven days, he shows you and me that when we rest, here's what we tell ourselves. I am not God. Some of you keep so busy some of you, you're, 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 you're diligent and that's a good thing. But you work too hard. And here's what rest does. Rest is like a tithe of your time. Here's what the tithe does. When you give God 10%, here's what you're saying to God. God, I believe that you have the ability, the capacity to do more with 90% than I could ever do with 100. That's a faith step. True? It's the same with your time. But to rest, God? 
but I've got this to do, I've got that to do, I've got them to speak, I've got da 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 Do you not think God could do more with six days of your time than you could accomplish in seven? And in him resting, he shows us, you're not me. You can't do that, which is why throughout the scriptures, throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, the, the Sabbath, the rest day is reinforced. And by the way, just as a throwaway, the Sabbath is not the day you do all the work that you've not been able to do in the home because you've been working so hard at work. That's not a Sabbath either. And maybe over the next few months, we'll talk a little bit about what Sabbath looks like from a biblical point of view. But don't you think it's amazing? Seven days, God shows us so much about his innovation and so much about us. And he gives us a picture of the work he wants to do in and through us. We're taking too long, I know. We'll speed over the point number three, just in case you're worried. He's a God of innovation. Maybe some of you are sat here saying, well, I'm not innovative. I'm not creative. Yes, you are. You were created from birth. You're both, oh, McManus says this, you are both a work of art and an artist at work. I love that, don't you? You are a work of art and an artist at work. You are so creative that you mastered the English, English language when you were two. Think about this. You didn't master the English language when you finished your GCSEs or you got a degree or, or you got your master's or you got your PhD. That's not when you mastered it. You mastered it at two. At two, you started to form words. That's amazingly creative. In fact, think about this. If they were to pick you up at two and, and literally transplant you anywhere in the world, if you'd, have, if you'd have gone to live in Spain, you would have learned Spanish. If you'd have gone to, to, to France, you'd have learned French. There are some parts of Africa, they have a clicking language, like... I hope I didn't say anything offensive if you speak <laughs> that language. But they do, they click. If at two years old, you were taken from England and you were placed in, a, in a, like a, an out there tribe in Africa, you would have learned how to click and talk. You are amazingly creative. And think about this, and yet we, we know this and we see this about the God that we serve, and yet we are the only species that's trying to figure out who we are. Think about that. You don't see a zebra on the plains trying to figure out who he is. Am I black? Am I white? I'm both. You don't see a giraffe chatting to his other friend, giraffe. And saying, I'm going on a journey of self-discovery. I need to discover who I am. And yet we have all these conversations about discovering who we are. When the book of Genesis tells us we are made in the image, in the likeness of God. Who is a God of intention and he's a God of innovation. He's created us to be creative. So what future do you want? You create it. You're waiting for someone else. No, you create it. You dream it. You go home and you give it some thought and you get out a pencil and a piece of paper or your notes app on your phone. And you dream and imagine a future. And then you think about the steps that I've got to take in order to make that happen. Because you have the ability to create. You have the ability to create. As a church, we have the ability to create. 
we have the ability to impact and influence our community. But it starts here with the imagination. And then we begin to activate it. Number three, point number three, band if you want to come. He's a God of intention. He's a God of innovation. And he's a God of intimacy. He's a God of intimacy. This will blow your mind. When God reveals himself in Genesis chapter 1. You right, Justin? <laughs> when God reveals himself in chapter 1, the, the name that is given to God is Elohim. Supreme one. But then God begins to get active and starts to create things and form things and he creates you and me and he starts to build relationship with mankind Adam and Eve in the garden it tells us that God would walk with them one day when he comes to walk they're hidden from his sight and he says where are you he's the God who wanted to come and commune and spend time with them the crazy thing in, in Genesis chapter 1 he reveals himself as Elohim in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3, there's another name that's tagged on. It's a compound name. He's revealed in Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3 as Yahweh Elohim. Mighty one, supreme being. Yahweh signifying his relationship and his covenant with mankind. So he's not just Elohim, mighty God, supreme being. He is Yahweh Elohim who wants to walk with you. Think about that. There's no difference if, if, if a man's drowning in a, a hundred foot of water. There's no difference from him to a man who's drowning in 10 feet of water. They're, they're, they're the same. They're both drowning, no matter the water. And, and whether you're in here this morning and you, and you don't believe there is a God and you don't want relationship with Him, or whether you're in here this morning and you believe that there's a Creator, an Elohim, that's not enough. Because God's not just Elohim. There is someone, a supreme being. He's not just, if you only know God as your higher power, that's not enough. It's not enough. Because God wants to reveal himself and he does it right from the beginning that Jesus is in the creation story and I'll show you in just a minute. But he starts right from the beginning in wanting relationship with you and me. Not just Elohim, creator, powerful, but Yahweh Elohim. He is my God. When you're younger, you could look at a fluffy animal and say puppy. As you get a little bit older, you could discern the difference between a kitten and a dog. When you get a little bit older, you might be able to go, well, I know the breeds of dogs now. I'm able to discern that. I have the ability to do that. But then when you take a dog home, it's not just a puppy or a dog. It's my dog. It's mine. And when you go from Elohim, there is a creator, to now Yahweh Elohim, he wants to speak to me. I was chatting to someone in the coffee house this morning who's been coming to church for just a small while on a journey of discovering who God is. And I hope they don't mind me sharing this. If you do, it's too late anyway. I'm about to. And they said this to me. They were, they were all kinds of questions about who God is. And they said this. Here's what I've, I've discovered. God's began to speak to me. God's began to speak to me. Now, here's what I heard. Now I'm not just learning about God. I'm discovering Him through personal relationship because He's the God of intimacy. He's Yahweh, 
Elohim. And He wants to walk with you. He wants to walk with you. In fact, we started, and I'll end with this. We'll scrap the video. We'll put that online for people who want to watch that. I had a great video, a dramatic close this morning from Louis Giglio who talks about just the amazing wonder of, of your created body and how Christ is revealed in it. And we'll post that. You can watch that amazing video. But we talked about in the, the first verse of Genesis, in the beginning, God, Elohim. And then we talked about those two letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Can you remember what they were? No. Aleph and Tav. First and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Here's what you'll discover about those letters. The, the Hebrew language is a picture language. In other words, every letter has a picture to it. The picture for LF, spelled A-L-E-P-H, the picture for LF is an ox. And the picture LF, here's what it represents. It means leader, strong one, or ox, sacrifice. The letter Tav that's inserted in the Hebrew manuscripts. The letter Tav, guess what the picture is? It's the picture of the cross. And it means covenant. Jesus wasn't God's backup plan. From the formation of the earth, He was already on His way and in existence. John chapter 1 verse 1 says this. It says, In the beginning was the Word. Who's the Word? Jesus. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was God in the beginning. And through Him all things are made. And without Him nothing was made that has been made. He was present right at the beginning. And He was God's rescue plan even before you and me and humankind messed up. Jesus was on His way. God was making a way. The mighty one, the ox, the sacrifice, was making a way to send His Son to die on a cross so that His covenant and His sacrifice could bring the way, lead the way for us to know Him, not just as Elohim, mighty God, Creator, but as Yahweh Elohim, my God. That's the end of this week's podcast. We hope that it inspired you. For any more information, visit braidchurch.co.uk.